Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast, a show focused on inspiring and empowering you to become a better writer. Come along as we deconstruct the tips, routines, and motivations of your favorite authors. In the end, it's all about getting your story onto the page. Welcome to episode 67, How Tracy Wolf Writes. Welcome, 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 my friends. I hope everyone is having a great week of, work, of writing. And if you aren't, that is okay, because this episode is sure to fill up your inspirational buckets. Tracy Wolf is a New York Times and USA Today best-selling author of over 60 novels. Yes, I said that right, 60 novels. I loved interviewing Tracy for her unbelievable wisdom about the writing process and the writing life, and I'm sure you will love it as well. I want to take a quick second and say thank you to Tracy one more time for her spectacular interview. And now, my friends, without any further ado, here is the interview with Tracy Wolf. Welcome to the How Writers Write podcast. I am your host, Brian, and today's guest is Tracy Wolf. Tracy is the New York Times and USA Today bestselling author of over 60, that is six zero novels that run the gamut from young adult adventures to new adult romance and from women's fiction to erotica. A longtime lover of vampires, dragons, and all things that go bump in the night, Tracy loves nothing more than combining her affection for paranormal creatures with her love of writing tortured heroines, heroes and kick-butt heroines. Tracy's newest novel, Covet, which is the third book in the Crave series, will be released on March 2nd, 2021 in the United States. So make sure you go check that one out. Tracy, welcome to the show. Thank you so much for having me. I'm really excited to be here. Yeah. So, um, and I'm I'm super excited to to have you. I was saying before we started um, recording, I absolutely love being able to connect. It's like a dream come true. I get to connect and ask any question I want to authors who have written over sixty books, which is just crazy. So, um, I, I want to start with something that's very near and dear to my heart. That's you know kind of central in the how writers write universe right now, which is so we're doing um, something that's called a challenge. And what we do is it's basically five days of like content and QA calls and lessons and all sorts of good stuff where we teach writers one specific writing technique skill. So this week we are in the middle of a challenge and the challenge is on how to create characters. There's like 2000 writers that are a part of it. It's wild and it's an absolute blast. So characters are very heavy on my mind. So I thought it'd be fun um, to start out with how you create characters and as the most abstract question possible, let's start here. So when you are creating characters, like where do you start? Like wh what is the first kind of step or inspiration? Like where do your characters come from uh, to, to kind of put it so broadly? <laughs> okay, actually, I'm super excited that you want to start with character because character is, it's where I live. It's, it's my thing, you know, some writers are world-driven, some writers are, are conflict and plot-driven. I am 100% character driven. So I have character before I have anything else. I know a lot of people, you know, try to get the conflict first and then figure out what characters fit with the conflict. I've always tried, wanted to be able to do that. And I can't. I usually, it usually starts for me with 
some character talking to me like in the middle of the night, like waking me up, literally. Um, there's just a voice in my head that is not like, and I, it's funny because sometimes there are voices that don't go with books I'm working on, right? And then I'm like, who are you? Do I know you? Are you from an idea that I've had? You know, you have to kind of go through and, oh no, you're new. Okay, who are you? Um, so I start really broadly. It usually starts with a voice and um, just somebody who just, you know, a character that says something to me, which maybe seems kind of odd, but that's just kind of how it's always been to me. Yeah. I'm a million different people living in my head. Yeah, no, it's funny because last night um, I we had a QA and, you know, one of the things I was saying, I was like, listen, your characters talk to you um, all the time. Like all writers, we kind of uh, don't always want to admit it, but yeah, they say stuff to us and they do things in our head. And I was like, it's also okay to talk back. I know. And I know that it takes us a little bit even further on the crazy scale. <laughs> hey, <laughs> but, <laughs> now, whatever gets the work done. Yeah. But you can say things back. So uh, yeah, I'm like, yeah. They talk to us. We talk back. It's all part of the process. So, um, so once you have kind of this this first flash of a character, um, how do you go about putting your character together? Like, how do you go out like yeah. really crystallizing them and bringing them to life? I actually really start with the writing. Um, once once this character kind of starts talking to me, like usually if I'm lucky, it's for something like you know maybe I'm thinking like oh well like right now I'm thinking I need to be. This book I'm writing, I'm writing Court, which is the fourth book in the, the Crave series. So obviously I'm like, I need, you know, Grace to be talking to me. She's my main heroine and, and the books are told in first person from her point of view. And um, so she's already crystallized and, and all of that. But if I'm starting a new project and this character starts talking to me, usually I kind of just say like, okay, who is this? Like, you know, and I try and flush it out because I do write YA, I do write adult. Like, like how old is this person, you know, in, in my head? And then I start really kind of, thinking about them and 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 who is it that would be talking to me like this and what is it that they're talking to me about and what is it that they want so then I start kind of building a story around them right once I kind of have an idea of who it is if let's say I'm like okay it's a 17 year old girl who's talking to me which is you know Grace right how she came to me and I'm like who is she and she came to me it's so interesting um like I knew at that point that I wanted to write a vampire novel um, but I didn't have my my heroine down and I was just trying to figure out who she was. And so anyway, one day, like literally I woke up and there she was talking in my head at like four in the morning. <laughs> and I was like, there you are. Okay, so right away, like I got up. I'm like, I'm not sleeping again for the rest of the night. And I got a notebook and I just started, you know, kind of listening and, you know, talking back to her. And it's funny when you say that because about that's going down the crazy scale. Because uh, my kids, they, they laugh. They tell me all the time they can always tell. Like if I'm driving them around or whatever else, they can always tell because like my head starts moving differently and they go like, you're just having conversations in your head, aren't you? And I'm like, I am, I'm sorry. Nothing I can do about that fact. And um, so anyway, then I just kind of start flushing out like, okay, who is she? What does she want? And then I have a very basic knowledge of who she is or who he is, depending on, you know, the character. And then I kind of dive in. I'm like, like let's just write and see what happens. And um, it's why I say, like, I can write really quickly, but the hardest part of a book for me, especially a new series or a new book with, you know, new characters, is the first three to five chapters, because that's where I learn who my characters are. I just start writing, and then I throw it all away, and then I write, and then I throw it all away, and I do this for the first three to five chapters, and that could take me... If I'm really lucky, it takes me a few days. If I'm not so lucky, it can take me like a month to kind of figure out 
who the character is like in like, and I'll just do different kinds of situations with the character. No, no, this doesn't feel right. Oh no, no, no. That's all oh, this feels right. Okay. Let's put this aside and keep that. Let's try something else. And then once I get, by the time I get, I should say to the end of those three to five chapters where I'm happy with them, then I'm like, okay, I've got this. I know who these characters are. And then I just kind of, then it's a lot easier to roll. And by then the conflict and the, the plot is kind of unfolded as well through those, whether it's week or month or however long it takes. Yeah. But for me, it's, it's trial and error. It's about getting the character in situations, seeing what feels right, what feels comfortable for them, what works with at that point, the, the conflict that I'm, I'm going with. And that's where I flesh out, like, what's their internal conflict? What's their, you know, because there's, you know, the external conflict of the, of the story, but there's like, what, you know, what is this character's internal conflict? And because I write romance, you need two and two internal conflicts, one for each of them, at least, you know, Mm -hmm. and how do they, they fit together and how are they going to work together and how are they going to strike sparks and and bad stuff off each other to to up the conflict and all of those things. And that kind of gets figured out in those initial writings, those first drafts of those chapters. And how do you know, um, how do you know that you have it right? Like, how is it after, you know, a couple drafts that you, feel confident and comfortable enough to be like, okay, this is the character I'm going forward. And the yeah. reason I'm asking this, the reason I'm asking this is I'm, I'm slightly fishing for an answer, but also, you know, last night, I, again, I'm thinking about the questions that came in last night and, you know, there, there is a, I think, especially when you're, you're just starting out on the writing journey or you're writing your first couple characters, or maybe you don't have a lot of confidence in your characters. There's this question of like, how do I know? Um, and I'm curious for you, like, how do you know that it's the right thing and you can move on? Well, it feels right. It feels like, oh, now I want to write more with this character because up until like I click, it clicks. I'm like, I'm not very interested in this person. Mm. I don't really want to write a book about this person. And then it's like, do I like them? Are they, you know, and that's when I start to think, okay, is there, are they really going to work in the conflict that I want for this book? Right? Like if this is where I want the plot to go it does this character have what it takes to take the plot where I need it to go. And that's when I really start thinking about plot and conflict and, and all of that. But I also feel like part of me says like, I think after I like to tell myself after I think I'm on 66, right? 66 books. I have a pretty good idea of what will work and what will not work. But then there's also, let's be honest, writers tend to be a little neurotic and there's always a voice in your head that says, Oh no, this isn't working. And then at some point you're like, well, you just got to try and see what happens. It goes on. Usually, like I said, I feel something click and it's, I like this character. I like who they are. I feel like they're going to serve my plot well, and then I'm ready to go. And then every once in a while, you know, we all get it in the middle. We're like, oh, this is a really bad idea. What was I thinking? I should totally have not done this. (laughs) And then you just have to kind of like go through that. Right. And, and, And push your way through. Yeah. Yeah, totally. I, um, I, I, I think there's a kind of under an undercurrent of what you said is the acknowledgement that nothing is really set in stone. And, yes. you know, to a certain degree, what you get is a feeling, you know, you, you get an, ex- uh, I, I always think that one of the best feelings to go off of when you're writing something is excitement and thrill. Like, are you thrilled to be writing and, and a comfort, and knowing should you royally screw it up, you can go back <laughs> and edit it. You know yes. what I mean? Like there's nothing stopping Absolutely. you. 
from going back and using the eraser. It's actually super easy to do this. Like it's really easy to delete words uh, on a computer. It does not take much effort. And so um, that seems to be a theme I hear a lot, right? Which is just this, like, we're going to see what happens. It feels good. We're going to see what happens and I'll change it later. Do, do you feel like you operate from that? I mean, I, I do. I'm, I'm a really fast drafter, you know? And so I think you have to understand that. And I think that any writer has to understand whether, you know, they're just a beginning writer or a seasoned writer. Nobody gets everything right. I mean, think about life. Nobody gets everything right the first time out of the gate, right? <laughs> so the idea, if you put that pressure on you that like everything has to be perfect um, right at the beginning, you're going to paralyze, I think, this is just my opinion. I think you're going to paralyze yourself coming from a perfectionist, um, by the way. Yeah. Um, so I think that you have to understand, of course, editing is part of the process. And sometimes, you know, I think I'm, I'm a plot, right? Like you plot part and then you kind of pants part, you know? And I always let myself, if I'm like, okay, I think this is where it's going to go. And then I end up taking it somewhere else. I always let myself do that because there's usually a reason. And sometimes it doesn't work out. Sometimes you're like, well, that was like a whole day wasted. But you know what? Sometimes you got to waste a whole day because it will unlock something else, you know? Yeah, so I think totally. You have to absolutely understand that that until it's printed, <laughs> it's not set in stone. Until it's like in the book, in the bookstore, then you're like, okay, I got to let it go. And at that point, I never, ever read another my books again because then all I see is, you know, what I didn't do <laughs> right. mistake yeah. that I made, or I didn't like this word or whatever, you know? Totally. Yeah. There's, there's this really important definition of perfection that, um, you know, writers, I think, I think there are a lot of writers who are perfectionists and they, they really yeah. want it to be perfect. And, and I'm, I understand that I'm not a perfectionist, but I can understand the desire to be a perfectionist and like how good it would feel to be perfect. Um, but that said, you know, th there's almost this reframe. If you want to see a finished project in the world, which is perfection is like progress and progress is in some way or another words on the page, whether or not they're new words or, you know, edited words that you're, you know, kind of shaping and forming. Um, but perfection, perfection is, as far as like, this, this is, I, I will never think that I could make this better. This passage or this scene or this character is probably not super attainable. You know what I mean? Like, I, I'm not sure I've ever heard anybody and any of the people I've interviewed or, you know, any of the research I've done be like, I think this was perfect. And I would never want to change a single word from this project that I finished. Like it just, it just never happens. No, never. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If only were that it to us so simple. Right. Um, exactly. Yeah, so I I want to change. Well, I mean, can I ask for a real fast? Please, yeah. It helps the fact that we grow, right? I think we learn every time we write a book. You learn something new. You know, I look back at the books that I wrote, you know, ten years ago or whatever it is, and yeah. um, and I think that yeah, I would I cringe, you know, and even though you know a lot of people love them or, or whatever else or they did well or whatever else, I'm like I've learned so much since then that yeah like, yeah totally yeah they're not going to be i'll never be happy with them i'll never be totally. happy with them totally and, firstly do you have um a fear of failure 
Oh my God. Yes. <laughs> so much. Like it's not even, it's not even, yeah. Such a, such a fear of failure. Yeah. And so how, how is a writer, um, as a human, <laughs> a human writer, how do you push through that? How, how do you work through it? How do you find the courage to keep writing when you have, you know, this big, huge fear of this failure? Because not writing is a bigger failure. I mean, mm-hmm. I've, I never wanted to do anything but tell stories. I mean, I always, I always, I always talk about how I knew I wanted to tell, tell stories for a living when I was like seven years old. And my parents, this was, you know, in California where it was not as hot as it is in Texas. So I always preface that. But <laughs> I was, they had gone into the bank and had left me in the car because I didn't want to go in the bank. They were, I don't know, we were getting a new house. So it must have been about the mortgage. And I was reading a Judy Bloom book and I finished my Judy Bloom book and I was bored because again, we didn't have, you know, everything in those days. And I had a notebook and an aquamarine marker in the car. And I was like, all right. So I picked it up and I wrote a story and it was like, there was a leprechaun and there was a princess and I don't remember what else was in it, but like, it was about 10 pages. And I knew by the time I was done with that story, that that was what I wanted to do with my life. Like, how incredible was it to create these characters and make the story? And, and I never wanted to do anything else. And and the thing is, with writing, I mean, writing a book, you have your fear of failure, it's not going to be good enough, I'm not going to finish it, I'm not going to all of those things. But then you also have your fear of failure of, because, well, I think anything in the arts, right, is a really difficult job. I mean, mm-hmm. you get knocked down more times than you get validated. Uh, right. You know, you get rejected, even when you get published, you know, even when you get accepted, you know, you send out to 20 publishers. If you're lucky, one wants them, wants what you're writing. If you're really lucky, two or three want what you're writing. You know what I mean? But that means at least 17, 18, 19 rejections. And so, of course, you know, you can't, you have to learn not to internalize that. You have to separate the work from, from, from the publishing, right? And, and understand that, that rejections do not equal failure. But then again, for me, like I said, it was just, I mean, what else would I do? I mean, then I'd have to, I'd have to go get a real job. <laughs> yeah. Right. I don't want to do that. I like my job. So yeah. then I have to write, you know, and I am the, the sole support of my family. So, um, so yeah, I have to write. So failing, not writing is a bigger failure. Yeah. I, I love that reframe. I, I absolutely love it. Um, which is, and I, I actually did a podcast on this, um, which is, you know, you, you, you're going to get some choices and what you don't get to choose is whether or not you experience some kind of discomfort or pain. And when it comes to the writing life, the choice you actually get is, do you want to experience the discomfort and the pain of writing or do you want to experience, which is a short-term pain with long-term rewards and benefits? It feels great long-term. Or do you want to experience the short-term relief of not doing it and like making the excuse and not writing, but the potential long-term pain, which will hurt really bad to have never written that book and have never told your story. And that's the choice, right? I'm not saying, and again, I'm not, I'm not here to be like, there's a good or there's a bad answer. I mean, obviously I've made mine. Um, but either way, there's going to be some discomfort. Either way, yeah. you're going to you're gonna feel the pinch. It's just, do you feel it right now or are you going to feel it when it's maybe too late? Yeah, I have a friend who always say, says, like, most writers like having written. 
you don't actually so few of us actually <laughs> the process especially when we're in the weeds you know but like when you're done and you look at your you know shining book and you're like well yeah i like this this is great right. so uh i guess kind of you know that's why everybody i always used to laugh when they talk about like labor and and, and your baby and this and that and i'm like there's something to it because the process can be really painful sometimes absolutely but then when i'm done i look at, at what i've created and and I wouldn't, I wouldn't want to do anything else. And again, right. if I didn't push through the discomfort, if I didn't push through the fear of failure, I'd never get to the joy of look at what I've done. And, you know, then you get to see what people think of what you've done. Right. Which is a whole yeah. nother set of neuroses, right? Right, right, right. And you open up a whole new can of worms. Um, <laughs> so as you look back on your career, and I know you've been writing, I think I read online that you published your first book in 2006 or seven? 2007. Okay, 2007. Um, so you've been you've been um, writing full time for a long time. Um, when you look back, was there ever a moment that you said, "This is dumb. I'm throwing the towel in, and I'm going to go do something else, anything else, other other than try and tell stories"? That's a hard question. <laughs> um, honestly, no. There have been times where it's been really hard, whether it's like the market is shifting or, um, you know, you're, you're not, you're, you know, you're not selling as many books as you were hoping you would or whatever else it is where I'm like, God, you know, I think maybe I should like, maybe I should be doing something else. And then I think, well, what would I do? And what would make me as happy <laughs> as what I'm doing, you know, because I think you have to like what you do as well. Right. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and, and I love teaching actually, I was a teacher for a lot of years before my first book was published in a college for, you know, and, and, and a professor for several years, even after, um, I'd been published. And, um, and that was the only, only the, uh, the only other thing I could ever imagine doing, but I was a writing professor and it's really hard to be a writing professor if you're not writing. So no, I never, ever was like, this isn't worth it. It's not worth the hassle. It's not worth the pain. Now, have I ever said that about one specific book? Yeah. I was like, you know what? Fight me. Like, <laughs> I'm freaking done it. with this. Contract, yeah. no contract. I don't care. I'm done. Right. Um, right. Once I did that, I did that once with a, with a contracted book. That was the only time. And did you push through it or, or, or has that book never been finished? <laughs> um, I pushed through it, but it was very late because I had to, I had to take a break for, for a while on that book and do something else because I couldn't, I couldn't get it. I just, and it was, it was really hard. It's really heartbreaking when you know what you want it to be and you can't get it there. I think that's another thing that writers struggle yeah, with a lot, yeah, right? Yeah. Yeah. The idea of like, I yep. see so clearly in my head what it should look like. And then I'm just not good enough to make it look like that. Yeah, I was trying to explain this to my wife. Um, how there's times as a writer, I can I know very clearly what I want from a book or a character, and I work and I work and I work at it. But I'm literally just not good enough to do it, even though yeah. I can see it. And she's like, "No, I'm sure you're good enough." You know, like trying to be really nice. And I was like, "No, no, no!" Like this isn't me. Like this isn't a pity party here. This is just a fact. Like I'm. Yeah factually not good enough yeah. to do this and it's a weird thing i agree it's a weird thing for writers to be able to see what they want to do envision what they want to do and then the actual application actually pulling it off on the page becomes a whole nother issue yeah, a whole nother struggle yeah, yeah totally 
and um, and and sometimes you get it there, and sometimes it's really easy. And then and those are the great days. Those are the days you love to write, right? And then some days you just can't, no matter what. Um, and sometimes it's even an idea, right? Like you have this idea that's like so big, and so and then you. I've had a couple times, um, one one time in particular, and that book ended up getting written. And it was actually, I still say, one of the best books I ever wrote. But um, I wanted to tell a Pandora story because I always thought Pandora got a raw deal, you know? Yeah. I thought in, 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 you know, she was created yeah. specifically for to do what she did and created specifically to punish these guys, you know, Prometheus and Epimetheus because of, of what they had done. And then she's the one who opened the box and everybody, you know, remembers her and forgets everything else that went into it. Right. And so I always wanted to tell a story from Pandora's point of view. And anyway, my agent, and this is, this was, you know, several years ago, I'm probably close to a decade now when Greek mythology was really hot. Percy Jackson was really hot. All the YA, YA um, Greek mythology books were coming out. And, and so I had this idea and I was talking to my agent about it and we went back and forth and she's more than an agent. She's a brainstorming partner and a cheerleader and a bunch of other things. And we were going back and forth, back and forth on it. And one day she says, this could be the stupidest idea ever. But what if instead of opening a box, she opens up an attachment and like causes like mass, you know, technological destruction. And I froze because I knew, right, that that was like the most brilliant idea ever. Keep in mind, this is 10 years ago. Now it seems much more common, right? Yeah. And um, Stuxnet had, was just coming out, which was the big, you know, blended thread that most people didn't even know about that um, was, you know, created by Microsoft with the help of the government to um, bring down the Iranian nuclear program. And nobody even knew about it, knew that it was tied to us, let alone, you know, that it was, you know, a, a planned governmental attack. And so anyway, like all that was happening, I thought, this is brilliant. And then I thought, oh, I can't write that book. There's no way I can write that book. <laughs> Anything, you know, I can't even get my headphones to work. How can I possibly write that book? And, uh, and I did. And it was one of the hardest things I ever did in my wow. life. But, um, but yeah, I was really pleased with how it turned out in the end. Yeah, that's always interesting, too, is like the correlation sometimes the correlation between the pleasure you take from your work and the difficulty it was to bring it about. Yes. Um, and it's a messed up thing about people in general. This isn't just, just in the writing life, but it seems to be to me, oftentimes we really value the things that are really hard. Yes. And yet we are wired. Our, our initial reactions are often to chase the things that are very easy. And a good example is it's like way easier to watch a great Netflix show in your cozy PJs at night than it is to rev yourself back up and write a chapter. It, it just oh, yeah. is. It just is. And it's weird how we're so wired for that short-term attainment. And yet, and yet the things that are really hard, you know, at least in my life and, you know, many people I've interviewed and I know look back and say the things I really had to fight for the things that now are the most precious things to me. Um, yeah. and it's just a weird contradiction of who we are as people. It is. I think it's a weird contradiction of who we are as people. I mean, and also then the whole, like, you value it more if you work hard for it. Um, but there's also the, sometimes the only way to really get it right is to really, really work hard. Like I've written 65 books. And if you ask me for my top five books that I'd written that I thought were the best I've written, four of them are the hardest things I've ever done in my life. You know, and I've given birth to three children and four of them are still <laughs> the hardest things yeah. I've ever done in my life. Wow. And one came easy, shockingly, but the other four were the most torturous of all the books I've ever written. But when you get it, 
you know, when you work that hard, I think, and you put in that much effort and you think that much and you brainstorm without, you know, a lot of brilliant people and you, you ask friends for advice and, you, you know, you really figure out what's wrong and you get into the nuts and bolts of it and, and you push through the, oh my God, I'm never going to get this. This is awful. I think then you really, you really end up with sometimes, sometimes it doesn't work, you know, and we've all tossed stuff away. But when you, you get to the end of the finished product, you're like, wow, you can see the pain in it. And I, I don't know. I think that sometimes that sometimes makes it better in a lot of ways. Yeah, totally. Being able to see the struggle. Yeah, I totally agree. Even if it's just for you, mm-hmm. you know, chances are the reader's not going to read it yeah. and think, yeah. wow, this person really struggled. Yeah, hopefully not, right? Yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> You're like, wow, they were. The, those maybe, are not usually the books. Yeah. Maybe, maybe that should have stayed in the drawer, right? If, if that's the reaction, but, right. but, but generally speaking, you know, like you're the only one it, it, it's writing the, the more I, I dig into it. So I'm about a year and a half into leaving a corporate world and tech world, um, kind of being a writer on the side to being like, okay, writing is going to be my entire life. Like kind of sun up to sundown. All I think Congratulations. about is storytelling. That's amazing. Yeah. It's super dope. It's great. Um, and so, yeah, I, you know, I, the more I dig into it, the more these interesting, like contradictions or kind of nuance to this whole journey comes. And I, and I think one of them is this idea of kind of what I had talked about, which is like deciding and picking where, like what bets you want to set. And, and looking both over a short-term and long-term of your life and being like, do I want to make a bet that I will be happier, you know, taking X, Y, Z action of not writing, or do I want to bet I'm going to be happier writing? And so much of our writing journey, I feel like comes down to that question. And it sounds like it did for you too, which is like, listen, I know I could probably do easier things, but I'm making a bet that this is what will make me the most happy. And I know I'm going to have to pay a price for it. It's going to not always feel great, but you know, the die is cast. And I just think there's so much power in having an affirmative perspective on the writing life like that. of being like, I get it that this isn't always going to feel great. And yet I choose to go for it anyways. Um, that just has so much resonance for me. Anytime you make a decision like that, whether it's about writing or something else in your life, there is, there is a lot of power in that decision because you're, you're willing to take all the bad that comes with it. Because the thing about writing, right, is it doesn't matter how good you are. There are, there are books that are well-received and there are books that are, right. I mean, they may not be trash, but they not, may not be heralded either. You know what I mean? Yeah. And there are, unless you're one of the like, you know, super incredibly successful writers who, everything they put out is, is, you know, a major seller. There are lean years and there are, you know, great years. And, um, and that takes a lot of, especially if you have the ability to do something else and make a lot of money easier, you know, or whatever else, (laughs) you know, uh, it's, it's a big commitment. It's, it's, Mm -hmm. it's in some ways a sacrifice, but it's also very empowering because I think once you make that choice, um, and you make it through it, it helps. I don't know. It just helps cement. Like for me, like failure is not an option. I've got to keep writing. I don't have a choice, but it also, 
I don't know, it frees something in you. Like, look, look what I did. Look what I've done. I'm, you know, my, I remember my mom telling me when I was 17 years old that she wasn't going to support me when I was 40 because I wanted to be a writer, you know? Yeah. And that I had to, you know, have a, a practical career to go with it and, and, and all of that. And here I am, a little over 40. <laughs> and, uh, and totally supporting myself, sending my kids to college, supporting my other two children. And I feel yeah. pretty darn good about that, you know? Mm, and it I hasn't it. always been easy. It hasn't, it hasn't right. always been easy. There were year, years that I was like, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? And then, but, you know, you, you persevere. Yeah. Yeah. I just absolutely love this. This is all exactly like exactly in line with the whole reason I kicked off this podcast. Yay, um, yeah. That. Yeah. It's just, it's just so, it's just so wonderful. But that said, I have bad news though, which is um, we have kind of reached the point of the show here where I will now ask you my final five questions. And I ask every single guest these exact same questions. And um, I love doing this. I love hearing the answers that every guest gives. And I also love, um, showing off the diversity of answers, you know, everybody answers in their own way with their own, you know, quirks. And I think it just highlights, you know, for all the writers out there, you know, to find your own answers to the writing life, find the ways that you can put words on the page, you know, to take what you can from, from, you know, people further down the road, but you know, what's most important for every single writer out there is to learn how you work and how to put words on the page. It's all downhill from there. And I just think this is a fun way to show that. So with that said, let's do this. Okay. I'm going to ask you question number one, which is what is the one word that best describes you? I'm going to cheat because I never follow rules and use two words. And it is something that drives most of my writing friends nuts. And that is extreme extrovert. Mm. Um. Very few writers are, right? Most of, most of us tend to be introverts. And I love people to a ridiculous amount, um, which makes the hours of sitting in my cave, you know, hard for me because I'm an extreme extrovert. <laughs> yeah. Wow. That is super. I've not heard, ha I've not heard anybody give that, um, <laughs> that answer. I've yet, I've yet to have that answer. So here, here it is. Diversity in the answers. Okay. There Question number two, if you had to pick a spirit book, right? So this is a book that you feel like most closely resembles who you are as a person, what book would it be? This book gives me, this question gives me a major crisis. I was like, you know, <laughs> the, the lit professor in me and the right, like, and the reader in me is like, oh my God, there's like um, so many books. Yeah. I decided though, um, even though it doesn't end well, <laughs> to go with The Awakening because um, that book, changed when I read it for the first time it changed it just changed a lot of how I thought about a lot of things and I read it when I was like 17 years old um mm. by Kate Chopin and um and it just everything about it just opened my mind in in different ways and I don't know it's just it really was an awakening so there you go awesome, awesome. that's kind of how I like to live my life I always like to I always like to look at things a different way or learn something new and think about something very differently because that's where I think the great stories come from. Yeah. I agree with you on that one. Yeah. Okay. I wanted uh, it to be a really fun book, but sadly, no, I mean, that's okay. <laughs> the, the, the book is the book. You know what I mean? Like that, that's yeah. what makes it, that's what makes it so fun is it's such like a, it's such a clarifying question. You know what I mean? Like it's, it's a kind of, 
it's a question I feel like you, it, you know, if you know the book or if you've read the book, you can, you can kind of get a sense for someone's soul yeah. by the one that they say, which I, I mean, I love. What um, is yours? Can I ask? Yeah, I, <laughs> you're the first person to do that. So that, that too, no one's ever asked me my answer on that one. Um, my spirit book would be Les Mis. It's the book that, um, yeah, right. Yeah. It, it, it's just a book that I feel like, uh, same thing. I read it and, um, I was a very new writer when I first started reading it and it technically blew my mind. Yeah. And then the main character of Jean Valjean has had, um, I mean, it's, it's hard for me to underscore the impact that characters had on my life and, and how, if I had not come across Jean Valjean, it's hard for me to imagine what my life would be like. And so um, it's just a book that's really special, really, really special to me. And a close runner up is East of Eden. Uh, It's a second book that that has a lot of meaning to me. Okay. Yeah. That's how I feel about Edna Pontellier too, by the way, from New York. Oh, really? Like, what would my life be like if I had never met her? Yeah. Hmm. I'm going to have to reread that book. (laughs) <laughs> it's like going to go right up to the top of my to be read pile now. Yeah. Um, okay. Question number three, is there a specific tool? It can be anything at all, pencil, software, chair, anything that you absolutely must have to write. Okay. So it's not a tool at all. I can write anywhere, but um, several years ago, um, my life was kind of falling apart in a lot of different areas and I was really struggling to write, which again, like we said, not really an option for me. Um, and I couldn't do it. And my friend was like, sometimes it's about training yourself. Like, okay, this is my writing time. Like, cause every time I sat down, like, you know, Dorothy Parker says writing is the art of applying the ass to the chair. <laughs> right. Because how many of us, when it's going well, you want to sit when it's not, I'd rather go clean my son's toilet, you know, anything. Yeah. Literally <laughs> Any anything. Day. Yeah. <laughs> so, um, she said, you really have to train your brain. And so what I have now, and it's, it's a little ridiculous. Um, my hair goes up into this tiny little like pebbles, Flintstone um, ponytail. That's my like, really, you're getting serious about writing. And then I do a little like dance and it's the same little dance every day. And then I sit down and then I write. And that's what I need to be able to write. Randomly. I love it. It's like, <laughs> it's like, it's like a little ritual that you have. Yeah. It's my little yeah. ritual that tells my brain it's time to stop, you know, looking on Twitter or, you know, looking for candles or whatever you're doing and, and, and get your, your shit together. Get, get ready to write. Yeah. <laughs> get the writing, get the words down. I love it. Okay. Question number four. And we kind of touched on this a little bit, um, but it'd be good to get like a, you know, like a the, the bullet point answer. How do you deal with the constant ups and downs of the writing life? I have waited for this question the whole time because this is actually <laughs> one of my favorite things to give. And it ties into what advice I would give new writers. Okay. So it's kind of a two for one. Okay. And it is, again, I've, I, I got my first book published in November of 2007. And here we are in, in 2021. And I've never had a gap. You know, I've written steadily through the whole time with, with published contracts. You have to understand that this is a marathon. It is not a sprint. Mm. When I first got, you know, got my first book published, I was like, oh, it's going to be so easy from here on out. I'll at least be, you know, it's not, of course it's not. Not just writing the books isn't easy, but the the actual act of, you know, continuously being published is not always easy. The market changes, your editor leaves your house and you're suddenly orphaned. 
Mm-hmm. Like I used to joke that my YA name, which is now it's Tracy Wolf, which has been my romance name forever, but for a while it was Tracy Deeves was my YA name. And um, I said, everything in the world happened to Tracy Deeves from literally having a publishing house close <laughs> to losing editors, to having um, a contract get completely messed. Like everything has happened. And I think that if you really want to make a go of this, and if you really want to, to understand um, what it takes to be a working writer who, who publishes year in, year out, you have to understand it. It is, it is a marathon. Mm. You know, I've, I've met all kinds of writers, you know, cause again, extreme expert. So when I go to conference, I meet a lot of people. Um, I've met all kinds of years and the ones who, who and, and this is no begrudging to anybody. I think it's amazing. If you get the big contract right off the gate, um, I met a lot of writers, especially several years ago when, when that was happening in YA, who got it and they're like, yeah, I've made it. And I'm like, this is, you know, this is amazing. This is exciting. This is wonderful. And I'm so happy for you. But then they're not prepared for when it gets hard, you know? Yeah. They're not prepared for when the editors stop calling you back or they're not prepared for when, oh my gosh, my books aren't selling or, you know, whatever else it is. And I think um, I was solidly middleist for a lot of my career, you know, and um, I, I could always get a contract. I could always sell through my advance. Sometimes I didn't do much more than that. Um, sometimes I did, you know, really well. I had a couple of big series around 2014, 2015 that did really well. Um, and then I kind of had a slump where there I was again. I was just kind of cruising along, um, making enough money to pay, you know, pay my bills. And, um, and that's about it. <laughs> <laughs> And then I've been really blessed with this new series that has come along. Um, but, but there's always going to be ups and downs. And, mm-hmm. you know, I was, um, I had, when Crave first came out, Mysterious Galaxy had me on. And they, I, they're my hometown bookstore. I live in Austin now, but I grew up in San Diego. So I still consider them my hometown bookstore. And uh, I was so excited. I'm like, I'm so glad to be here. You know, I signed here once like eight years ago. She's like, I know. And I was really excited to talk to you because there are so few authors who even like, span eight or nine years that you know that are still writing and still publishing and I'm like I know it's one of those things where you tend to come in and out of it right and um and a lot of people come in do a few books and then fall out and 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 for any number of reasons either they can't get a contract or their life gets hard or they decide they want to go in a different direction or whatever else it is mm-hmm. but um a lot of people just stop writing and I think that always makes me a little sad you know and I think you just have to, you have to go into it thinking it's not a sprint. You're not going to get everything right off the bat. Yeah. You do have to work for it. And and you may have everything and then you may have nothing the next day. And then you have to put on your big girl panties and you have to get back to work and you have to write the next book and climb back up the mountain. And that's kind of, that's kind of what the profession is. Um, and I wish somebody had told me that early on, because I think that, I don't know, I think I would have made a few different decisions early on in, in my career if I had known that, you know? Mm, I love that. But, um, but yeah, but also, I, again, it's a great profession and, and go for it. <laughs> yeah. Just understand that it's not always going to be easy. It's not always going to be easy. Mm. But sometimes it's going to be amazing. <laughs> I love it. I love it. It's such a wonderful way to wrap up this podcast, wrap up the episode. I feel like there's just so much amazing wisdom and amazing insight into what you're saying so before we go how can people find you online where are you how, uh, how can they how, how can they get more of you uh 
you can find me at tracywolfauthor.com. That's my website. But uh, if you want to chat with me, Instagram is pretty much the place I am the most. And that's Tracy Wolf Books or just Tracy Wolf on Facebook or Twitter. But Instagram is where I, um, where I weed through my uh, inbox the most to, to, to try and answer as many people as I can. Awesome. Awesome. Well, Tracy, thank you so much for this interview. Thank you for spending time with me. I feel like I, my soul is, is like so filled up and, um, you know, I always feel, I, I just feel so grateful to be able to, you know, ask you questions and spend time and, you know, learn just a little bit more, you know what I mean? Just, just like, it's just that much more, um, yeah, I, I just, I just so appreciate your perspective. It's really kind of broadened, um, you know, brought in mind and I'm sure it will for many listeners out there. Well, thank you so much for having me. I really love talking writing with, with other writers. So I am, I am really grateful for the invitation. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you again to Tracy for her time. If you haven't yet, please check us out on Instagram, iTunes, Twitter, and Facebook. We're everywhere, everywhere. Also, I just want to say thank you so much for listening, and I hope you have a wonderful, wonderful week of writing.